today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. The eyes of the Lord are constantly, continually searching, roaming throughout the earth, looking for a heart. And God sees the heart. Man only sees the outward appearance. And he sees the heart and he's looking for a heart that says, Lord, in your search, find me. My devotion is fully on you. My reliance is completely on you. And when he finds such a one, it's like this. It's like, oh. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Isaiah. In today's message, Pastor J.D. will remind you that God doesn't just look for the most talented person in the room to do His work on earth. Sure, talent is one thing, but God looks for the person whose heart is completely given to Him. He seeks someone who's willing to follow His perfect will with abandon. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Isaiah chapter 31 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. We are currently in the book of Isaiah. What a, what a book and what a study, an amazing study. Uh, through this book. So we uh, get from chapter 31 to chapter 33 and bring to a conclusion the woe chapters. Like woe. Uh, so from chapter 28, I think it was, to chapter 33, the prophet Isaiah is declaring these woes, these sorrows that are going to come upon the uh, Israelites, because of their rebellion and disobedience against the Lord, sinning against the Lord, and such is the case as we go through these chapters. So why don't we begin with a word of prayer. If you would join with me, we'll ask God to bless our time together in His Word. Loving Heavenly Father, we're <laughs> just so grateful to You for this Bible study. I was just thinking uh, before we went live about how it is that oftentimes many of us struggle because we're tired at the end of the day. Many have such a busy day and a busy week and busy lives. And and there's that part of us that says, man, I'm just really tired and maybe I just won't, maybe I'll just watch online. But then the Holy Spirit's right there. And we get ourselves up, we get ourselves ready, we get ourselves in the car, we we come. I have to, I'm the pastor, so. <laughs> but when we get here and we just put aside all the, all the cares and the affairs of our crazy lives, <laughs> all the stress, and we just begin to worship and, and you inhabit the praises of your people and there's just a calming and a soothing and a peace that surpasses human understanding that sets in. And, and then, Lord, we open up our Bibles and we just begin to get into Your Word. And then as we get into Your Word, Your Word gets into us. And by the time the Bible study is over, we don't want it to be over. <laughs> There's just something that has happened in us. And it's 
that which only you can do. And for that, we're very grateful. And we thank you. And we look forward to what you have for us here in your word. So bless our time together, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, so I want to begin Bible study with the takeaway right out of the chute from the get-go. And it's that of our relying only key word on the Lord. Relying only on the Lord and no one or no thing else. And the reason is, is because here in Isaiah's prophecy, God is pronouncing this woe to Israel because they had put their trust in and were relying on Egypt to help them and defend them and deliver them from the invading Assyrian army. And so this is the takeaway. It's that like Israel then, so too do we now tend to look to and rely on the world, Egypt, the type of the world, the ways of the world. We tend to put our trust in the world, the Egypt, if you prefer, instead of turning to and relying on the Lord and the Lord alone. We completely, fully rely only on the Lord. So let's jump in. You ready? Verse 1, Isaiah 31. Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help and rely on horses, who trust in chariots because they are many, and in horsemen because they are very strong, but who do not look to the Holy One of Israel, nor seek the Lord. Yet, verse 2, he also is wise and will bring disaster and will not call back his words, go back on his word, but will arise against the house of evildoers and against the help of those who work iniquity. Verse 2 is very, well, for lack of a better word, strange, because here's God saying to them, you're not relying on me. And what you don't realize is that he, speaking in the third person, he's speaking of himself through the prophet Isaiah. He, speaking of himself, is wise and will bring disaster. And when God gives you his word, he won't go back on his word. He's talking about himself. Now, verse 3, the Egyptians are men and not God. And their horses are flesh and not spirit. When the Lord stretches out his hand, both he who helps will fall and he who is helped will fall down. They all will perish together. I think they got it. They got what? They got it that God is saying, oh, you want to trust in Egypt and not me? You want to rely on Egypt and not me? Here's what's going to happen. You're going to fall too. 
oh, they're going to fall, but so too will you fall, because you've relied on man and not God. You've trusted in the numbers, the strength, the might of the horses and the chariots, but not me. This is Psalm 20 verse 7. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. I want to draw your attention to a fascinating account. It's actually quite chilling. It's in Second Chronicles 16. Uh, I want to read verses 7 through 9. Actually, uh, verse, uh, I think it's 9, is going to sound familiar. Is it verse 9? Well, anyway. Yeah, it is verse 9. Don't start reading it yet. <laughs> Wait for me. I need to set the stage here, give you the backstory of what's happening here. So you've got this righteous king, King Asa, and he's one of only eight good kings that did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. All the other kings, they did evil in the sight of the Lord. Now these were not perfect kings, they were good kings, they were righteous kings, but they made mistakes. And some of those mistakes that these kings made were very costly mistakes, and such is the case with this particular king. Now there was a time when they were severely outnumbered against all odds against this massive army of the Ethiopians. And so King Asa does not know what to do because there's no way he's going to be able to be victorious over this Ethiopian army. So what does he do? He calls upon the Lord, relies on the Lord, and the Lord delivers him miraculously, supernaturally from this massive army of the Ethiopians. You would think that after God did something like that, that this king, this good king, this righteous king would never again for the rest of his reign ever rely on man after God did that. But that's exactly what he does. And we pick it up in verse 7. And it says, and at that time Hanani the seer came to Asa king of Judah and said to him, because you have relied on the king of Syria and have not relied on the Lord your God, therefore the army of the king of Syria has escaped from your hand. Were the Ethiopians, now he's reminding him of when he delivered, when God delivered him from the hands of the Ethiopians. He says, verse 8, were the Ethiopians and the Lubim not a huge army with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because you relied on the Lord, He delivered them into your hand. Remember? Oh yeah. And then verse 9, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show Himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to Him. In this you have done foolishly. Therefore, from now on, you shall have wars. Wow. This is what I mean by chilling. I mean, this is a good king. 
This is a righteous king. You did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. And it just goes to show you that for those of us that have been walking with the Lord for a number of years, we are prone to this. We are capable of this. See, here's what happened, and it was to his own peril. God blessed him. God prospered him. Now he had resources. Now he had options. Now he had this opportunity to make this alliance and rely on another nation, like the Israelites did by relying on Egypt, putting their trust in the horses and the chariots and the might of the Egyptians against the Assyrians. The only difference is with King Asa, it actually worked. He actually pulled it off. And then on the heels of what he believes to be a victory, which is no victory at all, the Lord appears to him through this seer and says to him, looks like it worked, huh? Yeah. Wow, that was pretty clever, your strategy to form this alliance with the king of Syria and, and defeat this invading army. It really worked, didn't it? Yeah. Wow, how about that? I know. Pretty good, huh? No, actually it's not. Because what you did is you relied on them and not me. And here's the thing, and you should know this, because you've been on the receiving end of me delivering you miraculously out of the hand of the Ethiopians when they came against you. Don't you realize that the eyes of the Lord are constantly, continually searching, roaming throughout the earth, looking for a heart. And God sees the heart. Man only sees the outward appearance. And He sees the heart, and He's looking for a heart that says, Lord, in your search, find me. My devotion is fully on you. My reliance is completely on you. And when He finds such a one, it's like this. It's like, oh. few and far between, by the way. He says, watch me now. Watch what I'm going to do on your behalf. Why? Because you relied on me. And here's the thing. At the end of this, it's only God who gets the glory. See, if we're relying on our own strength, or relying on someone or something else other than the Lord, and we pull it off, who's taking the credit? Me. Did you see that? <laughs> did you see what we did? I'm the one who put that together and pulled that off in my own strength. Not the Lord. So the Lord doesn't get any of the glory. This was all man and not God. Very interesting that Isaiah would write by the Holy Spirit, Egypt is a man, not a God. They are flesh, not the Spirit. One of the things I'm learning in my own walk with the Lord is that God is at the ready, wanting to do a work in the Spirit, but oftentimes can't, because we thwart Him 
by doing it in the energy of our own flesh. And you know what happens when, when we do that? We end up with an Ishmael. We end up with an Ishmael. When God had an Isaac for us, Ishmael a type of the flesh, and Isaac a type of the Spirit. God wants to do the work His way, in His time, and for His glory. And He's looking, He's searching, and you get this impression that this is a, a deep search. I mean, you really have to go throughout the entire earth to find one who is fully devoted to the Lord, fully relying on the Lord. Well, verse 4, for thus the Lord has spoken to me as a lion roars, and a young lion over his prey when a multitude of shepherds is summoned against him. He will not be afraid of their voice, nor be disturbed by their noise. So the Lord of hosts will come down to fight for Mount Zion and for its hill. Like birds flying about, verse 5, so will the Lord of hosts defend Jerusalem. Defending, He will also deliver it. Passing over, He will preserve it. Return to Him, against whom the children of Israel have deeply revolted. Do you hear the, the warning and the plea from the heart of a loving God who is saying to His people, return to me, rely on me. God wants them to return to Him as a people who not only didn't rely on Him, but also, did you catch it, revolted against Him. To not rely on the Lord is to revolt against the Lord. And here's the Lord, again, at the ready, like a lion, when he has his prey, you ain't getting that away from him. I, I don't think you should even try. Lions, the king of the jungle. I find an interesting contrast between the lion and a bird. That's what he's saying. I, I'm going to deliver you and protect you like a lion and like a bird. I get the lion, but what's up with the bird? Oh, have you ever seen maybe those television programs, those nature programs? I'm kind of dating myself, but wasn't it, um, what was that uh, old program back in the day? You remember when you only had three channels and it was a dial on your TV? Uh, the kingdom, uh, what is it? What, the wild kingdom, right? That was it? Oh, I got it right. Yeah. Yeah, I was only four when that was... Uh, <laughs> But they would show these, you know, animals and how they would protect their young. And you would see these birds and the, the mother bird protecting her young in the nest against a prey, a predator. That bird would put itself in the way of that predator to protect their young. And they would even dive bomb them 
the birds to protect. Have you ever seen this? Please say that you have. (laughs) I mean, they would dive bomb the predator. That's what he's saying. Hey, if I have to, I'll dive bomb them like a bird protecting its young. I'll be like that lion, that roaring lion over his prey. Once he's got it, it's game over. I'll be like that lion, and I'll be like that bird. Return to me. It's almost like God saying, let me. Why won't you let me do this for you? Why are you looking to the world, to Egypt, to do this? First of all, they're not going to be able to do it. And by the way, why in the world are you paying them to do it? We saw that last week, right? They, they took their treasures and they're paying Egypt money to do that which only God can do. I almost want to insert in here, by the way, you're not going to get your money's worth. <laughs> in fact, you're going to want to get your money back. You won't. Verse 7, for in that day every man shall throw away his idols of silver and his idols of gold, sin, which your own hands have made for yourselves. Wow. Then, verse 8, Assyria shall fall by a sword, not of man. Hang on to that. And a sword, not of mankind, shall devour him, but he shall flee from the sword, and his young men shall become forced labor. He shall cross over to his stronghold for fear, and his princes shall be afraid of the banner, says the Lord, whose fire is in Zion, and whose furnace is in Jerusalem. Oh, I love this. So here again, and we're going to see this throughout Well, at least the next, I want to say, three or four chapters. But much of what we have here in Isaiah is about the Assyrian army, who's going to besiege Jerusalem, surround Jerusalem, to take Jerusalem. God's not going to let them. And the reason God's not going to let them is not for their sake, but for His name's sake. God is, as we're about to see, God is going to deliver them. And he's not going to allow the Assyrians to succeed in their attempts to take Jerusalem. So we know from 2 Kings chapter 19 verse 35 that there was an army of Assyrians encamped around the walls of Jerusalem, 185,000 strong. And the Israelites are freaking out, for lack of a better way of saying it. And we're going to see that again here in a moment. But an angel of the Lord, and we're not told his name, an angel of the Lord is sent down, doesn't use the sword of man, he slays all 185,000 of these men from the Assyrian army. Overnight, the Israelites wake up the next morning and 185,000 men are laying dead on the ground before them. One angel. 
We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. If you think that the gospel is only in our first four books of the New Testament, you'll quickly learn through this book of Isaiah that the gospels mentioned throughout. It must have been interesting for Isaiah to write the things he did in the course of his life. He was a prophet used by God who lived while several kings of Judah reigned. From their outright wicked behavior to a king like Hezekiah, Isaiah experienced the people living in rebellion and then turning toward God, realizing their need for him. God used Isaiah in a mighty way to influence these kings and to speak to them about what was yet to come. God can use you in the place you're at today as well. It may not seem as influential or powerful of a position, but God has you right where he wants you, to use you in the place you are. Are you involved in a local church? If not, we invite you to join us at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. We meet on Sundays at 8.30 or 10.45 a.m. and Thursdays at 7 p.m. for Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can get directions at our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're there, be sure to check out Pastor J.D.'s additional teachings as well as his Mideast Prophecy Updates, an accurate look at what the Bible has to say about this time in our world. That's all we have for today, but thanks for tuning in to spend this time with us. We hope you'll join Pastor J.D. for our next edition as we learn more valuable things from this interesting book of Isaiah, right here on In Spirit and Truth.